Hey everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Today we're going to be unpacking an interesting piece of prophetic writing found in the Old Testament. And the title for today is simply Going with the Flow. Going with the Flow. Uh, so some questions. Which flow has you? What or who are you flowing with right now? So we're going to be unpacking a little bit of that today. If you are new to our podcast, as always, welcome. As far as possible, every week we give this podcast out on a Tuesday morning. And the point is just to spend 10, 15, 20 minutes together and asking ourselves a question. How can we become more like Jesus? How can we reflect him better in our world? How can we be better ambassadors for his kingdom? How can we align our hearts to him and his kingdom? And so grab a cup of coffee or tea, or if you're driving, I hope that uh, this makes your journey a little bit more enjoyable. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're on. And let's dive into today's session. So I want to dive straight into the scripture. It's Ezekiel chapter 47 uh, and 12 verses we're going to read together. So a bit of a chunk uh, of scripture today, but let's go through it together and see what we can mine out of this passage. In verse 1 it says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below and the, the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Verse 3, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. So to change now from a trickle to an ankle deep stream. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was now knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand, led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river, very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish for this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Enaglaim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Now, it's an incredible picture that gets painted here. And I'm sure many people far more qualified than me have tried to describe exactly what was going on here. But today, I just want to talk a little bit about the flow of God. And, and what do we see in this passage about being in God's flow that's so vital to each and every single one of us? And so first off, we need to understand that flow starts in the presence of God. He is the source of the flow. And it sees, in, this, in this image, we see that the river starts. It, it starts as a trickle, but it starts out from the presence of God. The flow begins and has its origin in God's presence. 
And this is important for us to grasp that the things of value, the things that can change our lives and change our world all originate in the presence of God. Why is this a big deal? Often we can look to other places for what we think we need. We can look to things like our own intellect or ability to figure things out. We can look to governments, medical professionals. We can rely on education or whatever it is uh, for our solution. Now, none of these things I just mentioned are bad, but none of them can be the source of goodness in our lives. None of them can be the source of the flow we submit to. I think for some of us, we, we know the kind of flow we need, but we're looking for it in the wrong place. We know what our lives could become. We know the potential that we have, but we're looking for the flow to be in, and we're looking for it in the wrong places. Then there are others who have no idea what flow we need, and so we're living in a place of no flow. <clears throat> and so because of, of confusion or whatever it is, we've just abandoned the idea of flow completely. Regardless of which group we find ourselves in today, we need to go back to the presence of God. We need to go to the throne of God and experience the source of our flow. Instead of trusting in good things, we need to go to God and trust in Him. Instead of living flowless, we need to go to God. So number one, God is the source of every good and necessary flow. So if, you, if you're not experiencing any flow in your life, can I encourage you? Go to the presence of God. The second thing we see in this, which I absolutely love, is that the river increases in its flow. It, it, it grows in its depth. It grows in its influence. It grows in its force. And, and, it, and it becomes less and less manageable. It gets deeper and deeper. And eventually we read that they get to the point where crossing the river seems impossible. And, and this for me is a beautiful picture of an idea called confluence. Now, if you've never heard of that word, don't stress. Confluence is when multiple rivers or multiple streams join to make a bigger river, a, a river of significance, which can often do more for the ecosystem than individual streams. In this image, we don't get a picture of where the added water comes from. All we are told is that the river gets deeper. It gets deeper and more influential. What if God is revealing a principle here? What if he is saying that his influence in the world will grow when we bring our flows, when we bring our lives and submit them to his river? What if we see what God is doing and join in on his mission, and in so doing, we create a river that is far deeper and wider than any individual river that we could ever create? A warning here, though, if we do this, don't expect life to be comfortable and manageable. The further down the river they got, the less they were able to step into it. God is calling us to join his river, not to make his river manageable and controllable, not to make our lives comfortable. We are not called to be river managers. That's not what we're called to be. The flow of God is not ours to manage, it's ours to join. If you want a life of predictability and manageability, that's not what God promises. That's never been part of his, his calling. But if you want a life of significance and depth and purpose and meaning and, and identity, then bringing your river into the flow of God is the most significant thing you can do with your one and only life. The third thing about this passage is that we see that the river impacts the banks. It doesn't just flow through. It, it has influence on what's going on beside it. Along the riverbanks of the river, there's, there's trees that are produced. And, and the way these trees are described is they never experience decay or dying. They produce fruit in every season and there is healing in their leaves. 
Now, this is almost an exact picture of what we read about in the New Jerusalem at the end of Revelations, which is absolutely awesome. However, for a moment, think about what God is saying to us. The river affects the banks. What is a riverbank? It's the, the land the river flows through. It is the land on either side of the river. It's not in the river, but it is the piece of ground the river flows through. Now, firstly, as God's flow flows through us, what are we producing? If we allow the flow of God, the Holy Spirit, that what Jesus talks about when he talks about rivers, fountains of living water, if the, if the flow of God is flowing in us and through us, what are we producing? Because God's flow always produces life-giving fruit. Is there life in difficult seasons? Is there fruit regardless of what season we are in? Are we points of health and healing for our world? If God is flowing through us, then we might be agents of health and healing, agents of provision. Secondly, in, in this instance, as followers of Jesus, again, this, this has been said so often, we are not of the world, but we are in the world, right? The flow goes through a territory. We are flowing through this world. We navigate this world. And there should be an effect of our flowing through our cities, our neighborhoods, our families. We should be seeing life and fruitfulness and healing happening in every area we flow through because we are in the flow of God. Now, again, if you're not in the flow of God, you can't expect these things. Only the flow that originates in his presence will produce fruit of healing and wholeness, will produce fruits of provision. And if we are in that flow, then whatever we flow through, we should see that fruit coming to pass. Number four, I think it's number four, is that the river transforms the ocean. And this is one we don't see in, in, in the physical, in the natural world. We don't see river water transforming seawater as it enters the sea. There may be a transition zone, but the sea generally wins out over the river. The sea, which is massive, the ocean, which is uh, uh, just the, the most incredible expanse, it's massive, generally overtakes the fresh water from the river and puts salt into that fresh water. However, here we have the opposite. Here we have a river transforming an ocean. Here, the smaller impacts and transforms the larger. This is confirmed by Jesus uh, when he describes the kingdom of God. He describes the kingdom as a seed sown and as leaven placed into dough. Both of these things are small, but they have massive influence when they are sown. The same is true for this river. It may be smaller than the ocean, but because its, original, its origin is in God, it has the potential to transform that which it flows into. Now, the kingdom of God is, this is what the kingdom of God is like. When the kingdom of God is sown, it may seem small, it may seem uh, insignificant, but it has the potential within it to transform that which should dwarf it. The flow of God is not limited. It can transform the biggest things in this world for his kingdom. The river of God can transform the oceans of this world. It doesn't seem like it all the time, but it can. Sometimes the forces within culture seem impossible to engage with, but God often, uh, but, but with God, often it is the David that overcomes the Goliath. It's the worship that brings the walls of Jericho down. Sometimes all we need is the little, the flow of God to transform our culture, our world. Then lastly, I want to reflect on an interesting thing that Ezekiel notices. It says that its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. This river can transform an ocean, but there is something about a marsh and swamp that means it cannot influence those things. What is the difference then between an ocean and a swamp? For me, the biggest difference 
is that an ocean is defined by its movement while a swamp is defined by its stagnation. There is no movement in a swamp and the water it has is the same water it's always had. And the water that flows into it simply gets tainted by the old water that has always been there. In other words, the swamps represent those of us living in our past. We're not willing to bring our flow into God. We're not willing to move where he moves. And anything he brings into our lives simply falls and gets influenced by what we have already seen. The river of God is not going to influence those who are stuck in the past with no desire to move forward. These are people who live according to the blessings of yesterday. These are the people who hold on, hold on to the old, the past, and refuse to change or try anything new. An easy kind of analysis here, if you, if you think, hey, maybe I'm in a swamp season. Well, swamp people are not teachable. They are stubborn. They reject the new and they are unchanging. The encouragement here is to stay fresh by moving. We need to keep following God. God is the God who, when he was giving instructions to design his home, he gave them a tent, not a temple initially, because he was a mobile God. He was a God on the move. And so today I want to end simply with this question. How is God's flow impacting your life? How is God's flow through you impacting the world around you? Perhaps at the end of the session, you may need to go back into his presence to recapture what the flow of God looks like. Perhaps you need to bring your flow and submit it to his flow. Perhaps you need to see more fruit in your life, more fruit as you go through the world. Perhaps you need to have faith that this flow can transform anything going on around you. Or perhaps you just need to get moving again. Stop living off of what has happened and start following God into what he is doing. Well, I hope this has encouraged you and just given you something to chew on throughout this week. And uh, I pray that as you focus on this, as you focus on the flow of God, that you're going to see fruit and, and provision and health and healing come not just in your life, but in the lives of those around you. God bless you. Have an amazing day and we'll see you soon on Coffee with Jesus.